John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. If you've got your Bibles with you, would you join me? A lot of our verses this morning are going to come from John. The book, the Gospel. You know what I like about the Gospel of John is that you hear from an eyewitness, as the others are, the other Gospels and, and many of the, most of the New Testament, that they're witnesses of the things that Jesus did, the things that he said. And John, of course, stands above them as being his best friend. Did you know Jesus had a best friend? He did. He did. And now, as I pray, we are his best friends. He's ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. And to go further, he says, you to this point, and also in John, he says, you have been my servants, I call you friends. Is there anything more liberating than that? Unless you've never had a friend, and then you're really in need of a friend. (laughs) Of course we've had friends. Of course we have. Can you think of a better friend to have? Friends tell each other secrets. Friends go places together. Friends talk together. Friends are not far separated one from the other. Friends are loyal. Friends are faithful. This is John, Jesus' best friend. And this is what he says. Verse 4. We know the... Do you know the first verse of John? John 1.1? You know, how he starts out, you know? About the Word. And the Word was what... Is God, was God, was with God. And... Sorry I can't quote that. I get all mixed up in it. And I've read it more than a thousand times. But verse 4 says this. John, John is giving witness to who Jesus is. And he says, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And has yet. And never will. This is a forever verse. Darkness and light. It says in, in some of the renditions, the versions, mine in particular, it says the light couldn't comprehend it. Couldn't understand it. And there are many different meanings, and that just, you know, throw a dart, choose whichever one you want. But there's, there are so many different words that fit into this all through our, this is how translations come out different. And I'm not one of those that says mine's better than everybody else's, but I'll tell you what, the, the most important thing is whatever version you have, obey it. How's that? The light 
shines in the darkness. You know what darkness is? Simple. Do we have any darkness on this earth that is complete darkness? No. I suppose you could go in a room and shut yourself in, but in the natural world, like back then, Jesus, the Creator, created, and if you'll read, you can read this in Genesis, that, that the Lord put the sun, the moon, and the stars in the sky for us. That the stars and the moon were going to be light during the night. So they were not without light. Something interesting, when you read the curses that, uh, that the Lord God brought upon um, Pharaoh in the book of Exodus, was the curse of darkness. But it wasn't a darkness like you and I think about or have experienced to this point. This darkness was different. If God is going to send you a curse, a plague of darkness, <laughs> you know it's going to be a little bit different than going down into the swamps of northern Michigan at night. This was a darkness that Moses said as he was writing this. He said, he said a darkness that can be felt. And it's been kicked around in, you know, in, in the minds of, of greater people than I as far as, as Bible uh, theologians and such. But I have found this, and I, this is the one I agree with, that it was the kind of darkness that you could light a candle and it didn't go anywhere. You know what that is? That's hell. Hell is going to be abject darkness. And it's going to be so dark that if you could light a candle there, it would not matter. It would not do what it ought to do. Darkness. And the light came into this world that was a light like darkness has never seen before. That's Jesus. That's the Son of Man. That's the Son of God. It says it was the light of men, all mankind. The light of all of us created by Him in His image. He came to bring life. So you can take light and you can take life and you can put truth and you can put them all together and they just complement each other. They all get along with each other. And I mean, you can almost interchange them, not in specifics, but you can interchange them in meanings as you read in the Bible. Truth and light. Synonymous. And so in this case, I want to speak to you this morning about truth. The truth that shines in the darkness. And the darkness can't figure it out. Now, how many of you have recognized over the last several years things getting darker and darker as it relates to truth? Mm-hmm. In Romans 1, it tells us what happens when people 
reject truth. And then there are some who take the truth and what they like to do is they like to sell it and make something off it. That's called selling the truth for a lie. Does that make sense today? You cannot push away truth and pay a price and not pay a price. It happens. It's coming to you. It's the same way if you keep rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died for you, paid the price for you, you cannot keep rejecting him and not have a shell of a covering over your heart that grows and grows and grows until truth cannot penetrate it. I'm an old youth pastor. Some of you have known me for a while. I was a youth pastor before I was a pastor. I was a youth pastor 40-some years ago. And youth pastor for 10, 12 years, never really... Never really stopped being a youth pastor, but I love, I love teenagers. And it has been said, this is going all the way back into the early 90s, my last youth pastorate, in regard to the human heart, is that 85% of the people who now serve the Lord, 85%, and this was an old quote, but you'll get the gist of it and, and you'll understand it. That 85% of the people serving the Lord at that time, 85% of them did so before they were 18 years old. Gave their lives to Christ. Dedicated their lives to Christ. And that's why uh, many churches, denominations, but specifically the Assemblies of God has had at its core children's ministries, camps, summer camp, um, as a camp counselor and and times I will never forget, um, you know, you could, it's a big sleep deprivation experiment, uh, but they had a lot of fun in it and saw a lot of kids serving Christ and they are still serving the Lord now as adults and some of them grandparents. But why is it 85%? Why, why do they wait? Why did you wait? Why did I wait? I gave my life to Christ when I was 23. I was just on the outside of that, but the Lord specifically spoke to me. He does that, you know, and he does to you too, doesn't he? Got ears to hear? Jesus said he's the good shepherd, and he says, my sheep hear my voice. They won't listen to another. You can hear him if you listen for him. Is it easy? Not always. Sometimes he wants you to draw closer to him so you can hear him more readily. But you can hear his voice. And the Lord told me the day I gave my life to Jesus, he said, Rip, if you turn around and walk out of this church and reject me one more time, this is the last time I'm going to give you the opportunity. And I knew what that meant. The whole day leading up to it, that whole weekend was miraculous. The Lord trying to get my attention for a couple months before that, saying, the time is now. Quit running. And so that day I did. I can't tell you how exciting it's been and it's not stopped. 
But my heart was getting hard. I was slipping away. Those were the darkest times I remember when I would keep rejecting Him. It wasn't circumstances around me that were getting dark. No, it was me. He changed all that. You can't see that. Because you didn't know who I was before. You see some of that finished product right now. He's not done yet. (laughs) Had someone about a month ago come up to me and said, you've changed. (laughs) Well, how long has it been? It's been, well, you know, yeah, a little bit. You know, a lot. Some of it was painful. Change. Truth. If we cannot receive truth, you will listen to a lie. And that is the problem that we are having right now. Is that too many people are rejecting the word of God. And then... When the Lord makes an insertion into their life, He usually places someone to speak truth to them. And it's like, they, you get in trouble doing those things. It's like, well, they don't hate you. They just love the darkness. Why do people reject Christ? Because they, people love darkness. You think the problems you have at work is a personal thing? Really? You need to broaden the scope of your kingdom knowledge. The Lord has placed you in certain places to interrupt Satan's plans to destroy people. And that's really what his plan is, is to destroy people. So if bad things come your way, don't, don't think you're any, anything special. Yes, some of it we bring on ourselves, I know. We'll get into that right now. That's a big subject. But, you know, you've heard Pastor Mike preach on that. Darkness. Darkness. Be thankful that you walk in the light in dark times. That's how you can tell it's darkness, because you have light. That is a witness of the Holy Spirit in your life saying, See, this is why I want you there. Jesus said we are a city on a hill. And a city on a hill... I know nowadays, I'm not sure about back then, but a city on a hill, you could see further away in the nighttime than what you could in the day. Because the light shines in the darkness. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light. You and I are his light because we have him in us. In us. The Holy Spirit is in you. The kingdom of God is in you. In you. If you have received him, 
and you become born again, he says, nobody takes a candle and puts it under a bushel basket. By the way, what happens if you do that? It needs oxygen to breathe. Simple physics. It happened back then, 2,000 years ago. It still happens today. Why did Jesus say not to do that? Is because that was something that we were going to do and probably have at one point or another in our lives, right? Can everybody admit that? If that was not any kind of a caution, then he wouldn't have even mentioned it. What is our inclination? The same way he says, if any man is ashamed of me, before the Father I will be ashamed of you. Why did he say such stern things? Very stern, isn't it? It's because we have that inclination. Hmm. This is why we need the fire of the Holy Spirit to set us aflame for him. It has a very utilitarian, in the kingdom, a utilitarian purpose. God help us. Truth. Truth. What is truth? What is truth? John 18, 36 through 38. Jesus was standing on the night that he was betrayed. He was standing before Pontius Pilate. And he was the the Roman governor over the area. He was standing before him. And Jesus had to answer him things. He didn't have to, but he was being questioned, and so he found opportunity to say things that are very important for us today. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now, my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. And with this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and says, I find no basis for a charge in him. Washed his hands of the situation. But his last words to Jesus, I assure you, ached in him to the day he died. And perhaps if he had not repented, would definitely turn around and would like to have that moment again. What is truth? Jesus just told him. He's very skeptical and he says, hmm, what is truth? Good question, isn't it? What is truth? It is the question that people have searched for for so long, and yet it was right in front of them. As Jesus stood before Pilate, well, Mr. Pontius looked at him and said, What is truth? Truth. 
He was looking at truth. For years, for decades, for centuries, for millennia. There was there one of the great philosophers of the day, I can't quote you this, but I can quote you the gist of what he said. He he says truth is reality. Stop searching for that. It's reality. What you see is truth. And nowadays, this is what has been said. It's been said that what you see, 95% of it is your perception, 5% of it is truth. That's generally accepted among those who search for truth, courts, lawyers, counselors. Something happens, you are an eyewitness to it, and if you do not write it down, remember it, write it down, and so you can write there on the spot, guess what will happen to that thing? And fishermen get teased because the fish they caught keep getting bigger and bigger. I resent that. It really was a big fish. It's not truth that grows. It's lies added to it that grows. And what's our problem today? Truth has been sold. It's been exchanged, like Romans says. Truth has been exchanged for a lie. Truth. Jesus said this in John 14, 6. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. If you reject truth, you will continue to search for a place called heaven. And you will want to find it here on this earth. You'll come up with your own, your own little cult. Or you will glom on to one that's already out there. I spoke one to you of a particular cult or two the last time I spoke to you a few weeks ago. How many cults do we have? How many false teachings that we have? How many winds of doctrine do we have blowing through here? Bible. And the Bible alone. Read it. Study it. Read it again. Is there anybody among us that would go see a movie and it was so good you don't mind seeing it again? Who among us has a book that they have read and it's so good that they don't, they'll read it again, they'll put it on the bookshelf? How many of us read a book and throw it away? Unless it was really that bad. I've had one that was that bad. It's like, I don't want anybody else reading this, I'll throw it away. There was only one book, and I'm not going to mention it to you. Didn't contain cussing. It didn't contain any wicked, terrible, dirty thoughts. It was just false teaching. Taking truth and adding to it. The Bible is truth. Can I give you a little story? 
This is what the devil thinks of truth. What he thinks of the Bible. It irritates demons. (sighs) Years ago, 25 years ago probably, we had a food ministry in a little tiny church in Clarkston, Michigan. And out of that were miracles. Out of that was, it was a food ministry, not a food pantry. People would come in, desperate people would come in. And I'm not going to tell you how many I used to. And it's like, God, forgive me for bragging. It's how big God is. I couldn't believe what he was doing there. And, you know, you, you help hungry people and the Lord shows up. Did you know that? Because he is touched by hungry people. How about fasting? Why is fasting so powerful? It's because he loves people who are hungry. Hungry for him more than hungry for food. Fasting is real. If you've been thinking about this lately, maybe that's a little urge for you to do that. Anyways, anyways. One day I was out in the parking lot and I, cleaning up the mess. Small church, remember, I didn't have a, I didn't have a committee or a professional crew come in and clean up the mess, which we did have out in the parking lot. There's usually a couple things out there and I learned more by going out there and cleaning up over people that we called friends. And they came up out of Pontiac. They came from terrible places. They came from well-to-do neighborhoods. And I tried to tell our people, there are going to be people showing up here getting food, and they've got a car better than you. Don't despise them. Why? Because there's bondage somewhere in that family. And we're here to minister to them. Well, one of the times I went out in the parking lot, and here was a can of SpaghettiOs, and I could tell that it had been opened up by a jackknife. Somebody was so hungry that they took the food that we gave them, and we gave them all kinds of different stuff. But that's what they wanted, and they couldn't wait, and they opened it in their car and ate it before they left. So one night we were there, once a, night, once a week we would do this, and, and I'm sitting there and just ministering. I like to lay hands on people, see God touch them, and and he was doing miracles back then. He, the Lord was just absolutely wonderful. I could give story after story. But it's so, this one particular night, got a phone call from one of our church families. And uh, somebody came to me and says, Pastor Rip, and I'm, I'm busy with people, you know, I'm just. And there's a phone call for you. I heard your phone ringing, and I answered it. And, and I said, who was it? And, and it was... Her name is Sherry. Sherry wants to talk to you. I said, okay. And so I went and talked with Sherry. Sherry was in her 20s, and she was married, and she had a friend that was on her mind. Her name was Janie. She says, Rip, can I bring Janie to you? She needs to talk to you. And I said, well, you know what? I, I don't know. We're kind of busy. I, it's like, what's going on that is any more... It's, it's like, I have got important stuff to do here, you know, right? And uh, <laughs> silly me. She says, Janie is a witch. And she's having some problems. 
And I said, how long has Janie been a witch? 20 years? She can wait one night or a few hours until I'm done. Then I'd be glad to see her. And so Sherry was okay with that, but Sherry's husband, James, was not. (laughs) Pastor Rip, this is really bad. I didn't know what was going on with the three of them, okay? I had no idea what was going on, but Janie was desperate. And so we had plenty of occasion to deal with the demoniacs of the day back then, just like you do. Care for them, love them. And I and James finally convinced me, he says, Can we bring her in? Rip, she is all you are all that she has. I said, Okay, bring her in. So I finally relented. Silly me. Twenty five years ago. I've learned a few things since then. About me. So she came in and She's telling me a story, and Sherry's sitting right next to her, that Sherry gave her a Bible because she's starting to question the truth. Sherry says, here's a Bible. She took it home, and one day, one day when, when Sherry was going over there, because that Bible was on the shelf, books were flying off the shelf, jetting across the room. I tell you that in a less than dramatic way than what occurred. But to let you know this, if the Bible is so important that Satan would try to twist it, pervert it, pollute it, add lies to it, tear it apart, and try to destroy it and deceive you in the doing, would it just... Matter to us that maybe the Bible is more important than we give it any credence. No one in here would ever say that it's not important. How come we treat it that way? Through neglect. Neglect. What is truth? Truth is more than reality. It's Jesus. The better question is, where did it originate? (laughs) Is there anybody else here that when you're walking in the woods and you find a little creek that you just got to go upstream to find out where it came from? Am I the only nut that does that? No one else does that? Okay. Am I the only one? Yeah, it's just me. Thanks, Scott. I like to see where things originate. Because it tells something of a story about it, you know? Where does truth originate? Anybody in here that has read the Bible should be able to say, Heaven. That's where truth originates. Jesus is the truth. He is the truth. More than the truth, because he told the truth, is because he is personifying the truth. The same way in John 1, John says Jesus is the word capital W. You know what that means? Personified. He is the person of truth. He is the person. He is the originator of it. 
That's how important it is. Where does it originate? Heaven. There's a couple occasions where it talks about the Father's radiance. Radiance. Moses had contact with God's radiance. I would invite any of you... You know, it's so wonderful to come to church and have to have your sunglasses. Isn't it? Take them off and look straight at the sun. Oh, no, don't do that because I said so, but you get the point? When you're welding, you wear a welding hood. And you are told what happens if you don't. Flash burn. It hurts. It'll make you blind. It'll scar your retina. If you've ever had flash burn, you pray that the pain would go away and it would just, you know, you take medication to help with the pain and then you hope that when you take the patches off, you'll be able to see again. Why? Because of radiance. Moses. Moses would, it says, would go out daily and meet with the Lord in the tent of meeting. Moses. God's friend. Meet face to face. How'd you like to meet face to face with God? I long for that day, but I couldn't do it in this body. I'm going to need my heavenly body to do that because we are weak. Moses went face to face with God, and when he came out of the tent, his face was radiating. And when you look it up in the word study and and in the Hebrew language, it said horns. Pointy horns was coming off his face, so much so that he had to wear a hood over his face to talk to people because it was too painful for them. He was, his face was, was reflecting the radiance of God to the point they couldn't stand it. Read it. Get yourself a concordance. Get yourself maybe a really good spirit-filled commentary, not a Presbyterian commentary. And read about it. Radiance. Hebrews 1.3 Describing the Son of God. Says that He was the radiance. The radiance of God. He was the radiance of God. The full radiance of God. The second part of that is that He was the exact representation of the Father. And the third thing there... There were three points in Hebrews 1, 3, and it just simply says this, that through him all things are sustained. All things sustained in him. Truth. Where does it originate? Okay, let's flip it over for a minute and look at this. Lies. Is a lie the opposite of the truth? Not really. I don't know you can say that, you know, factually to the point where you can be exact with it in the, in the classical term of opposites. There is no lie in God. 
that came from Satan when he fell from heaven. Let's look at a verse on that one. Let's look at uh, John chapter 8, verses 43 to 47. Jesus standing before the Sanhedrin here. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, the devil, Satan. A murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him, none. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Why didn't they believe him? Because they sold the truth for a lie. The truth was presented before them. And it's the same way when Jesus stood over over Jerusalem and he wept. And he wept saying that he cried out to the people and he said, he said, if only you would have recognized the day of your visitation. Like a mother hen, I have longed to gather you in under my wings. And yet they rejected him. And beyond that, they crucified him. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. Hears. Remember my question? Do you hear from God? You do, but you might not recognize it as such. Faith is what it takes. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. And he was speaking to the Pharisees. Very much religious types. Stiff-necked, they were called by Moses. Stiff-necked. Why? Because they were stubborn. The Pharisees had a religious spirit. We've heard much of that mentioned through the years. And it's true. And I pray that at our age, I'm speaking to the older ones now, and I, and I prayed this even coming in this morning, oh God, help me to not be stiff-necked. I don't want to be old and grumpy, even if it's a religious sort of way, especially a religious sort of grumpy. God, help me. Where do lies come from? Every last one of them. Can we make things black and white this morning? Things that are gray will kill you eventually. You need to have truth so you can recognize lies. Have you had someone say something to you and, 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 and you couldn't outright say, I don't believe that, or you just kind of like question like, that doesn't sound like it's true. Guess what? 
Find out. Bring it to the Bible. And the more of Scripture that you have in you, the easier it is to recognize it. And the easier it is to put it away. Satan is the father of lies. What has he wanted to do? He loves to do the opposite of what God wants. That's why he's called an adversary. That's why he's called Satan, because he's God's adversary. For what the Lord wants to do in you, Satan wants to take it away. He wants to make it rotten in you. He wants to steal from you that which you hear, and before it can bear fruit, he is there to take it away. What does truth do for us? I think sometimes we take it for granted, but you know what truth does for us? If you, if you listen to lies long enough, you know, you, you get yourself away from that. And you'll recognize really quick, truth brings peace. Truth brings stability. Truth brings health and wholeness. Truth brings confidence. The things that truth does for us, lies do the complete opposite of. Truth is not the opposite of a lie, but a lie may be the opposite of truth. Because it's completely against whatever the truth is doing. There is Satan trying to interject the opposite to to cloud it. To pervert it, to twist it, to add a lie to it, to add, like Jesus said, a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of sin will grow and go further than you want to go. And you might say, well, you know, that old saying, you know, it's easier, it's easier to, um, to get forgiveness than it is permission. Nonsense. That's a lie from the pit of hell. People might laugh and smile over it and say, yeah, that's true. No, it's not. It's a lie. As a youth pastor, we preach this over and over to our youngsters that, that sin will take you further than you want to go. You may think I can draw back from it any time. I have a friend that needs Jesus. I grew up with him, next door to him. And I pray that someday I would hear from his voice that he loves Jesus. And I look at our lives and I, and I talk with him frequently. I love my old friend. I do. That's what friends do. But sometimes things go in an opposite path. And I hear his voice and I'm thinking, Lord, you're getting a hold of him. You're getting a hold of him. Satan loves to twist things. Do you know what that means? He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. If you can't destroy it, he'll kill it. If you can't kill it, he'll just steal it. You won't have it. God won't have it. He will steal it. When it comes to the truth, do you know what he does to the truth? He twists it. 
You know what that means? There's a root word. This is, just kind of stumbled on this one day. And this is about 25 years ago. And I looked at it and I'm going, you're kidding me. There is a, a clan of witches that has been around for years and they call themselves white witches. I say that with rolling eyes if you're listening and not watching. It's called Wicca. Have you heard of Wicca? They're the tree-hugging type. They're the, let's go out and have orgies in the forest at certain high days type. Don't you tell me they're white witches. Wicca. W-I-C-C-A. Wicca. Do you know what that relates to in a root word? Wicker. Wicker. Wicker and wicca come from the same root word. Now, I know you probably have wicker baskets decorating your house and wicker wicker furniture out on the porch in the summertime. Listen, I'm, I'm not saying it's demonic, okay? But wicca is. But the interesting part about it is how they make wicker baskets. They twist and twist and twist until it takes form of something that wasn't there before. Make sense? Did you know that? I only knew it because I preached the gospel. And I thank God for that. Not something that Rip discovered. The Lord pulled me into it. Through some circumstances. Twist and twist and twist the truth. Weaving the twisted mess together. Until you can carry a basket of lies right straight into the marketplace of hell. Wicker. Wicca. Lies. Lies. Get a hold of the truth and sell it not. One last scripture. Just got a couple of minutes here. John 16, verse 7. Jesus, in his last week or so, before he was going to go to the cross, he says to his disciples, but very truly I tell you, In the King James, it would be verily, verily. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, you see the capital A on there? Advocate is someone that's on your side. Do you see that A? That means it's personified. That means it's a being, not just a word. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. And righteousness and judgment about sin because people don't believe me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. 
and about judgment because the prince of this world, Satan, now stands condemned. The cross, by the way, put Satan on open display. And he is condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, there it is, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into it. And he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. And who speaks to the Holy Spirit? Jesus. Who speaks to Jesus? The Father. There is the mystery of the triune God. Right there. Holy Spirit has come. Jesus says to number one do this. Convict the world of sin. When you are convicted of sin, it doesn't feel good, does it? Thank God for it. Pastor Mike, last week, we were before that even, but last week in particular, about being disciplined with truth. When people hear things that they've believed a lie and maybe even acted on it, it becomes sin, and the Holy Spirit is there to say, no, 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 no. With humility, we repent. We say, Lord, I'm sorry. And sometimes it hurts, and it brings weeping. But we know this, that weeping only lasts for the night. Joy comes in the morning. Do you know what love rejoices in? 1 Corinthians 13. What chapter is that? The love chapter. Love rejoices in truth. Rejoices. And so that's why when we hear a lie, it's like, ew. (laughs) Because it's not a part of us. Rejoice. Read scripture. Faith comes from that. We need faith today. Jesus said this. He says, when the Son of Man returns to the earth, will he find faith on it? Will he find faith in those who remain? This is why we see so many lies We see the darkness today is because we are in an apostasy. The Bible talks about this. Paul told the Thessalonians, he says, this is the order, this is the way it goes, is that before the Antichrist appears, there's first a great falling away. An apostasy takes place before the son of lawlessness, the man of lawlessness, shows up. And so what we are seeing is the results of that that where there's not available light, darkness creeps in. The same way when you turn out your lights at night, it's dark so you can go to sleep. Listen, we see a lot of darkness today because there's not available light. That's why the Lord needs you to shine brightly. Every last one of you. 
needs to shine brightly because it's so dark out there. We were told this was going to happen. Don't be shocked by it. And certainly don't let it draw you down to the point where you're wearied of it. Get away from the lies and get more of the truth. And this is why we come together. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Father, I want to thank you for truth. Lord, I rejoice in it. We hear scripture on TV or on the radio or out in public somewhere where we don't expect it. We hear scripture and we rejoice. It brings a little kick of joy on the inside of us because times are so dark. Father, you have made us to shine brightly. And Lord, I pray, God, crank up the fire. Thank you, Jesus. Just for a moment, while we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed and in an attitude of prayer, I have to ask you this question. Are you ready to see Jesus face to face? Or do you have to get things done on your deathbed, so to speak? Maybe you've been waiting for that. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Are you born again? Born again. John 3, 3. You will not see heaven unless you are born again. We do not become good people by going to church. We do not become good people by trying to understand the Bible. We do not become good people. If you are not born again, Jesus said you are evil people. You're an evildoer. And you may think, no, I'm not that bad. And listen, if you were not for him, you were against him. Jesus said that too. There is a confrontation between truth and a lie. There's a confrontation between light and darkness. I invite you today, step over into the light. And it's so simple, it's not complicated. You don't have to go to certain classes to do this. You don't have to have a certificate of accomplishment. Simply this. Humble yourself. And right now, reach out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I deserve death. I've rejected you. Drag my feet about you. I've, I have procrastinated until this day. And if that's you here today, I'm going to say this. Welcome 
to the club. But I would rather say welcome to the kingdom as you receive him this morning. Ask him for forgiveness. Confess your sins. And he will be faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, nine. Give your life to him today. Thank you, Jesus, for truth. And Lord, I pray you watch over everybody on this beautiful day. And Lord, if someone is going to walk away from something that was said, Lord, speak to them. I know you won't give up. You sure hounded me. And Lord, I pray, God, that people would look up and see how close your return is and rejoice. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. God bless you as you go. I pray you have a wonderful day. And if I don't see you for next week, God willing, have a wonderful week. Maybe, maybe spring will show up sometime this week. Go out and enjoy springtime kind of stuff. Glory to God. Glory to God. Rejoice in the truth.